Get updated with the hottest news in insurance, finance, and the newest innovation in InsureTech and FinTech in these difficult times. Hear it from one of the most known and respected voices in the industry, Dr. Robin Kiera, and his guest of today. Hey guys, this is Digital Scouting and Insurance and Finance live from the headquarter of Digital Scouting in Hamburg, Germany and from the beautiful city of Vienna. Today we have a very special guest. We have Martin Mikko here. He is CEO and co-founder of um, Omnius, a specialized AI specialized um, company, startup Introtech um, from Berlin. I'm super happy that you're here today. Hi, uh, thank you very much, Robin, for inviting me. I'm super happy because this morning I actually had uh, someone, probably not your client, uh, on the line because I had a had my call with my health insurer and uh, had a question to my um, claim I submitted. It took forever and I didn't understand what they actually were saying. They only were paying half or not. And of course, I was just not able to read the letter. But um, I think that illustrates a little bit that, you know, claims can be really a painful thing. So um, my question to you is what kind of things did um, impress you over the um, uh, yeah, uh, years you have been in this industry? So what kind of application of AI did impress you? Well, Robin, I mean, first, you need to be patient, especially at COVID times. So uh, please bear, bear with your insurance company and don't be too nasty to them. Um, yeah. I'm a fabulous job at the moment but at the same time it outlines that you know claims management is still a very manual uh, type of uh, job uh, that um, most insurance companies undertake on day-to-day -day basis today so what what we see is that uh, you know um, throughout this um, lengthy claims management process uh, there's numerous type of tasks that are repetitive um, that are still undertaken by people and um, so we have customers for example uh, where we deployed our technology when it comes down to claims file creation, to give an example, um, um, or completeness checks. Uh, that's a lengthy yeah. process. And we've seen that we can automate uh, many of these tasks up to 80%, taking out two thirds of the people that have been doing this job beforehand. So I think that's a pretty impressive number that um, also correlates to you know, quite big numbers when it comes down to costs. Yeah, but the, um, we already topic claim AI, and uh, but I think it touches something super important. You touched the point of to make these manual processes um, um, to automate them to save a lot of internal costs. I think that's something um, that's super interesting, and also you know reduce manual labor, which is also, by the way, I think a source of error. Um, and by the way, we have already the first comment, Matthias. Uh, thank you very much for saying moin. Uh, we have here like a, a, also Hamburg present, not only sending, but viewing, great. And if you have any questions to Marty, don't uh, hesitate to ask that. Uh, we see you here in the live tool um, and just, uh, yeah, just uh, ask you a question. Um, and another point um, um, I wanted to make is, um, do you think, or is AI able to also increase the quality of communication with the client? Well, of course, uh, of course, I think it can. I mean, let's be honest, um, we all as individuals, as end customers, we have an expectation when it comes down how we engage with our insurance companies that it is an Amazon type of experience. I mean, that's the way how we live, work today in our everyday lives. And, you know, if you combine that with labor that is manual, there there is a mismatch. It, it doesn't yeah. work out. So, what do insurance companies have to do in order to satisfy this need in the one way or the other? Well, 
the first step is that they have to start automating that process. Now, yeah. the reason why they didn't do that is because there's a lot of cognitive insight that is really relevant to undertake. So Robin, okay, he's sending us a claim. Well, first, does he have a policy that is active? And by the way, that has been paid by Robin. And thirdly, does he even have coverage against the claim that he has submitted? I mean, that is a cognitive task that is, yeah. um, with all respect, it's not so easy as you might think as an end customer. And that's exactly where AI can really make a difference and where it can help to automate exactly this. On the one hand, simple task, but at the same time, cognitive requirements that typically today are still undertaken by human beings. Yeah, I think that's 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 super interesting. And again, uh, we have Stefan Cahill also joining here, uh, giving a comment. And if you guys want to to comment and like and share, you know, we have already hundreds of people watching. Please, you know, like, share, comment, hug, kiss your cell phone to make the LinkedIn, the YouTube, and Facebook algorithm and Twitter algorithm share this as much as possible. So thank you very much, Matthias and and Stefan, for your for your thumbs up um, and all the rest who who is doing this. Um, I recently talked to a CIO um, of a large insurer about all the crazy things they can do. And they say, yes, Robin, we would love to do these things, but to be quite honest, um, I'd love to do use these things, but we have, you know, um, if I propose to my CEO or to the advisory board, a 500 million modernization, euro modernization project, I might not get the renewal of my insurance uh, C-suit contract uh, I'm looking for. So my question to you is, if you would be the CTO or CIO of a large incumbent with like a lot of dark machines in this uh, in the basement you, you don't want to have a look at, what would you do? What would you what would you what would be your recommendation? And then we come to the questions we already see coming in. Well, basically, there's two recommendations. One, embrace these new technologies and develop a strategy on how 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 you want and will be able to work with those. So in our case. Um, we also work with old legacy applications um, by using, you know, bridges like uh, robotic process automation partners of ours, like Blue Prism, UiPath, and others. So yes, there's a way how uh, that that you can also deploy modern technologies AI in conjunction with legacy applications. But at the same time, I mean, of course, you know, if you have an old legacy, you know, that there is no workaround that in the mid run. You have to embrace the topic and work on a mid and long-term strategy, how to overcome that and replace it um, through a state-of-the-art API-driven application because, you know, that's the way how to move forward. API is, I think, a super interesting topic because in our talk before, uh, which is not NDA covered, so I can say everything I want. No, just kidding. Um, you said also that you work with partners together, with technology partners. Um, and uh, one we have present and also ask a question. Um, Michael, he asked, um, he, he works at, at One Genie, and he has, which is an identity company. Uh, is, you know, identity when a claim comes in a topic and, and how is that ensured? Just to get a little bit nerdy. Um, so I'm not sure whether I understand the question precisely, but, you know, the way how we identify the identity of a claimant typically, you know, the easiest one is through, um, you know, the claimant is sending his policy number, which often is not the case. So what we do um, is, in any case, we collect as much data as possible for all incoming communication pieces of all different kinds, and yeah. we correlate this data, you know, within the claim itself, within all the documents and communication pieces in itself, and also match it again against existing databases of our customers. So if the policy number is not available, well, then we correlate um, first name, last, last name, address, et cetera, to trigger 
the relevant policy holder in the respective database. So with all that combined, therefore, you can easier um, automate the process than you could, could do in the past. Yeah, we had a great question from Tracy, uh, and uh, she asks um, the the policy language is a super complex topic. Uh, I think especially also in the US, and uh, I think we have like Chris Chittum on the show in a few weeks who deals with that uh, with Policy Genius. But um, maybe spend a few uh, minutes on that topic because we only have, don't we not only have policy language, but also generations of policy products. You know, you need to map the claim with. Um, is it something AI can do and will do, or is it something you see the future of um, cognitive uh, humans? Um, well, you know, th there is multiple multiple layers to, to that answer. So, on the one hand, if you reduce, uh, you know, the language down to um, the communication coming in through different communication vehicles, such as first notice of loss, etc., um, typically here language is not so much of a problem, and AI can very easily deal with that. Um, okay. Now. When you when you go into you know lengthy contracts, even if you go into underwriting contracts, you know then even a comma can make a hell of a difference, and then it's getting really tricky. But not only because of language and the differences of language, but simply because the semantics um, of the respective words suddenly turn upside down, and that's where you know AI is as much challenged as human beings. Yeah. So to differentiate very clearly, you know, what is the context that we're talking about and then evaluate how relevant is language in the one way or the other to the AI system that you want to train. I think that's that's super interesting. Uh, it shows us, I think, in the current situation with business interruption policies, which are, you know, this is the hot topic around the world currently, uh, shows the dramatic, actually, in policy language and commerce, what you, what you said, and you say you know, AI is challenged as much as um, uh, actually uh, a human. Another question. May, may I interrupt? I think it's really important because um, the funny thing is that we keep on being, you know, confronted with this type of challenge by our customers. You know, yeah. let's be honest, AI is nothing else than algorithms. And, yeah. you know, yeah. algorithms and AI will not resolve problems that human beings cannot, you know, explain by themselves. So mm. the underlying um, element of truth and that is really important is that if a human being cannot describe the underlying problem, the challenges, the rules, well, then you will yeah. not be able to train an AI system. So AI is not going to, 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 to resolve um, a problem, a process that is um, not fixed up front. And that's an important aspect yeah. that you should keep in mind. Sorry for interrupting. No, I really like it. I think it's it's really, really clear. And I need to hear this from a company whose core is AI. I think it um, underlines also Uh, the discussion you have in, in, in carriers. And if you come in and say, AI solves everything, then you have the practitioners. But when you come like this and it's really, it makes clear for everybody, damn, Martin may be right. I need to listen to him even a And that's bit. also how we learn, you know, that human beings are making a lot of errors. We are training our system and suddenly our system says, hey, uh, there's an ambiguous information because in the one way, you know, uh, your, your claims adjuster decided um, A versus the same, uh, in the same type of setting. Claim it just to be decided in a very different way. So, so, so I think that making it transparent in the first step, in order to fix the process, is the first critical element. And then you can train an AI system that is uh, consistently providing the same type of decision um, as you know you apply then the technology within your process. Let's look into the future. Uh, because I think I, I once uh, had a discussion with uh, with a regulator, and uh, we uh, joked around and said, 
at one point will the regulator actually prevent humans from interfering into claims uh, regulation by algorithms because sometimes it's just unfair but but my question to you would be what is your vision of claims ai driven claims management let's say five years ten years what do you think i think so our vision of claims management as we move forward is is, is pretty simple uh, we think that about a third of all client claims will simply disappear because of iot devices because they simply will not occur anymore so if you think of autonomous driving and a human being being the biggest problem um, of yeah. you know car car claims well then Logically, you know, there is a certain percentage of claims that will simply disappear. So we think it's going to be about a third. Now, from the remaining two thirds, you know, about you know another two thirds will be in you know, um, automated through cognitive systems like ours. That's yeah. how we build our technology and where we want to get to. And the remaining percentages uh, is where still human beings and human claim adjusters will be required. However, they will be able to serve for very complex claims. Good example is, you know, pipe burst in the penthouse of a four-floor type of building. Well, that is complex, and these claims adjusters have an important role to play. Yeah. They need to help their customers, you know, to, to fix the problem in a fast way, in a transparent way, with a lot of data at hand, um, and looking at the customer holistically. So that's going to be an even more important job than it is today. So big proportion of claims will be managed through cognitive systems automatically and uh, the role of the claims adjuster is becoming more important he will act with empathy on behalf of the insurance company towards the end customer so a pretty cool job in the future yeah and uh, i think what you can see uh, you see it's uh, partially in the industrial production uh, with uh, tools that are ai driven with augmented reality where they really uh, integrate these and and, and increase the value actually created per person and make the job easier uh, of course yes. there will be jobs lost uh, everybody uh, knows it's an open secret in the industry but we will have a tremendous amount of um, uh, jobs actually uh, uh, being more attractive you know and, and intellectually more capable and 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 challenging and we have um, uh, a lot of uh, people from around the world joining from Nigeria, Russia, US, Germany. So thank you very much for, for being here. And if you have not subscribed to the channel, you should do that uh, soon. Uh, we are on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube and Periscope. Sorry for this advertisement break, but uh, you know, we, we want you that you come back every time. Um, yeah, and Amsterdam. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was from sunny Amsterdam. Uh, so we have a strong Dutch uh, relation, uh, community here too. One more, one, one question from the community I would like to ask you because I think it's an interesting topic, but I think you answered already half, but let's let's ask it trots, uh, team, uh, despite of the fact. Um, it's about the bias of um, uh, algorithms. Um, so is, is, is technology solving that? Um, I think that's a really good question. Um, but but at, at the very end, it goes back to how are AI systems trained? So... Yeah. The underlying training data, if the underlying training data has a bias, then therefore the trained AI modules will have a bias as well. So the critical question we have to ask ourselves when we train the system is first, is there a bias and can we identify it? And if so, um, how can we level this bias out? Um, and, um, you know, a bias basically means that, you know, decisions are made that we would consider in a social context as unfair, but in a technical yeah. 
context, a bias might also be that if we get the training data from within a single month to train the system, uh, and then let's take uh, you know the month of uh, May 2020 as a basis, then this month, uh, you know May 2020, is not going to be representative neither. So we would train, therefore, um, at the same time, you know, an AI system which has a different type of bias uh, because of an atypical type of underlying claims pool of data uh, that cannot represent the ongoing business as it goes. So therefore, our job ongoingly uh, is to identify what uh, Eric would call bias or what we would call there's a, there's a blur um, in the underlying yeah. data that we use for training and to reduce that as much as possible. Uh, and that's not only a one-time job, that's a job to be done ongoingly when you use AI um, technology within your processes. I think what also this discussion shows uh, is that there is no, I mean, sometimes you have discussions about, you know, is AI good or is AI bad, not only in insurance, but in general. And what this discussion shows me, at least, is, you know, there is no AI is good or bad, but it's like, how do you apply it, actually? And uh, that, you know, and it's a no-brainer to say it's all about the humans that are, that are building it and testing it. And uh, But it also shows even if you have something that goes wrong and you see, oh, there is a bias in it, you know, let's fix it as a, in, as a living organism. So, um, oh, we have already so many more questions coming in. But I, ha I also want to ask a little bit about Omnios as company because I think it's super exciting. Um, you have been having one exciting uh, uh, round of funding after the other. Uh, I would say even you know shortly this year you you um, ex extended your Series A I think um, you're with uh, 44 million dollars uh, at least that's what Crunchbase says you don't need to say the details that's okay um, but just to give the people the ballpark that you attract uh, a lot of funding there um, for people out there that are thinking about uh, also raising funds for their startup um, I mean you have done doing this like really great job um, what are what is your secret? Um, our secret is um, hard work, um, a really cool industry um, where there, there is a lot of potential that not only we see, but our, also our, our investors that, that we really appreciate a lot. Uh, and uh, all of that combined with brilliant technology. I mean, AI is just really exciting. Uh, and if you find an industry that is right at the edge of transforming itself fundamentally, um, combined with uh, really cool um, technology, well, then, I mean, that, that, that's the perfect place to be. And there's not a lot of chance you have during your lifetime to combine these three elements all at once. And I, I think that's basically um, um, our our situation, and that's what, what we're really thankful for. So, so and that's not a big story, but, but in a nutshell, that's uh, that's the reason why, why we've been successful on that angle. Yeah, and, and I think that that's also something we take away when we talk to to founders that are successfully building uh, companies in the insurance industry and in insurtech space. Is uh, that's just a lot? That's a, that's a lot of hard work uh, to do all of this. And I think that's a little bit also um, there is no magic bullet. It's like a million things you need to do. At least it's my yeah. impression with with the founders uh, on camera and off camera. Um, and I think that's something um, um, that's that's important. And uh, even in these times when certain things maybe dry up. There are a lot of uh, other opportunities that come even uh, come out. I even actually talked to a VC who said he had been hoping for a situation like this uh, because now he has the deep pockets to maybe uh, get a little more of something. No, but with all respect to to all the challenges we face on so many different levels, uh, at the same time, what I see is uh, COVID nineteen boosted several insurance companies uh, within three to four weeks into the next level of digitization. 
Um, if there is a good in the overall bad thing, uh, then I think, uh, especially in Western Europe, we've seen a lot of traction happening, um, driven predominantly through what happened throughout the last, you know, six, seven weeks. Um, I have one more question uh, for you, but I, we had a great interesting one from Stefan Cahill. Um, I know it's, it, you are specialized in claims, but you're so deep into the AI uh, community and into, into yeah. AI technology. It's something, my passion also is sales. Do you think sales will be changed during AI? And um, sorry for the side, <laughs> side note. I, I think that's an interesting question. And, and, and you know, sales there has, has so many different variations. Are we talking about B2B sales, B2C sales? Um, you know, because we have a lot of countries out there that where they, they are super strong. Yeah, no, but but you know, today with the state where AI stands today, you know, we yeah. are speaking about narrow AI. So an AI that is playing in a specific niche, you know, automating um, um, very specialized type of tasks. And so, so whenever that is possible, like in service, that is very often the case. And it might be also the case in sales where you have repetitive tasks that are undertaken. Like I can imagine in B2C sales, for example, there AI can make a difference. Now, as yeah. long as narrow AI, that's going to be the case. And uh, when we move uh, that AI can, can resolve also broader type of perspectives and problems, then I think there's even more chance in, in, in B2B sales and these type of activities. So you need to net it down and be more specific than just speaking about is it service and sales. Yeah. 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 So maybe you know, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think I think that's. But I think it's a super interesting field because also, mm. as a former uh, agent myself, uh, I can recall the amount of senseless tasks in my office uh, or that were related to selling insurance. Uh, and I think that's something um, uh, that could AI help a lot. Uh, not even to talk about automatic selling of insurance, maybe in the future. Mm. But exactly. we're talking. Talking about uh, Omnius as company again, also with your record funding. So the, uh, congratulations to that. I think that's super. Uh, yeah, just uh, oh, and you got also a compliment. You got a lot of compliments, but you know, Sri, uh, uh, this one I want to say because she commented a lot, and we were not getting to your questions. Sorry, uh, but thank you very much. At least you know, great answer. Uh, <laughs> All right, and um, one more question is concerning the future of, of Omnis. You're not only active uh, in, in Germany, um, you are active uh, internationally. So uh, what are your plans 2020 and what are your plans beyond that? Well, our plans for 2020 are, uh, currently we are active in, in Western Europe, predominantly in North America, and we want to gain further traction geographically in those markets. Um, and we do this on the one hand by ourselves and our own uh, people, but at the same time, Uh, the key topic for us in 2020 is going to be how can we enable partners of ours to sell, yeah. implement our technology, and ideally even build uh, um, additional services on top of our AI platform. Uh, that's what's going to be on top of our uh, radar screen for, for 20, um, 2020 and 2021. Uh, beyond that, um, uh, we will expand further geographically, but also technically, um, cracking further nuts uh, when it comes down to the really high complex AI problems within claims management. Cool, cool. Yeah, thank you very much. Let's do one more thing. What we always do is here to also thank everybody who commented and uh, um, uh, and, and participated in this show because you need to like, share, click, hug and kiss your cell phone in order to make the algorithm make this show show even more people around the world. Um, but I want to say thank you to, wait a second, Stefan, Thorsten, Sophie also watched. I say hi to you, to you. Anna, 
Adedamola, Ilya, Vadim, Eduardo, Mina, Arvid, Michael, Liamos, Matthias, Eric, Yanya, Frank, Sri, and so many others that have watched. It's just the people who interacted. And Tracy, of course, for your... Oh, yeah. I also love this show. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tracy, uh, for, for, for that really, really, really live of this, this feedback of you guys all. And um, yeah, thank you very much for, for being here, for commenting, for, for making this happy happen. Um, on Friday, we have the CEO of WIS, uh, um, South African FinTech. Super exciting to see what's going on in Africa. I think because there are a lot of interesting things going on, especially in FinTech. Then next week, we have uh, Thomas Handel from Life Insurance of 1871 talking about marketing. Then we have, yeah, well, I would say the legend Nick Gerhardt, the C Chief Administrative Officer of Farm Bureau Financial Service, who will leave the company after I think a decade or two. So I'm going to, you know, grill him on that. Uh, Brian Wallace, uh, Alex Horowitz, VC, Chris Cheech, and Joe Bassani, Roger Pivaretti, Charlotte Harker, Jay Parter. Like the line is endless of great guests. And we have one, uh, and Jeremy would say, Knaller, one really uh, great guest coming up in two weeks. But we will be very, you know, cautious about announcing that. Um, and uh, yeah, Martin, thank you very much for your time. Is there anything the community can do for you? Because you shared so many great insights and, and really to talk passionately about uh, the AI in the industry. Well, uh, let's become all ambassadors of AI and what it can do today in insurance. And, uh, you know, if you spread the word and we all believe in that, then uh, I think that's the first step in the transformation.